Everybody, welcome to Comedy on Vinyl. This week, I have Jay Sandrich on the podcast. Uh, if you don't know his name, you should. Uh, there's just there's too many things to list, but I mean, if we're if we're gonna hammer a few home, Bob Newhart show. Well, I just did the pile. You just did that. Well, just, but I mean, that you you set up you set up. Although a I did standard ba- when ba- you do that. Yeah, but basically, I only stayed with three shows. Mm-hmm. I stayed with the Mary Tyler Moore show. Yeah. I stayed with a show called Soul Panorama. Yeah. Right? And the Cosby Show. And the Cosby Show. I did a lot of pilots. I did Golden Girls. Yeah. And when you do pilots, you'll do two or three. Mm-hmm. But those three shows were the basic ones that I stayed with, and I stayed with them because they were just so much fun. And, yeah. And, and I loved working on them. From what I've read, too, you're very, I mean, it's, you're not necessarily afraid, of, and most people would be, to turn stuff down. And you've turned stuff down. Yeah. Is it, have you, I mean, has there, you don't seem like the kind of guy who has a lot of regrets as far as that goes, but have you ever turned stuff down and then, but you, you seem to turn stuff down because you're like, I can't do anything with this, maybe somebody else could. Well, that, it's, it's interesting you ask that because mm-hmm. that's true. I, you know, at the height of my career, I don't think I ever did any season more than two pilots. Maybe, maybe I do three. Okay. But part of the problem for me was I really base everything on writing. Mm-hmm. I had to really understand and appreciate the script yeah. when I do a pilot. And sometimes the scripts would be wonderful, but I just didn't relate to it. Okay. And in, is it a matter of relating to it personally or just saying, I know that I, I don't have... I don't have a vision to attach to this, or I don't have something else to attach to it. No, it's personal. Yeah. Okay. Um, I really like this. I understand it. Mm-hmm. It's not. You know, it's interesting because I never think in terms of vision. Mm-hmm. A, a good script really is there, mm-hmm. and if you cast it properly, mm-hmm. if it's written well and cast well, it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, if it isn't written well, sometimes. You can help it be better, but you, in my feeling, in those days, you could you couldn't really make it good. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure today whether that philosophy matters or not. Mm-hmm. Today, what seems to matter because, and this will go into the in the that the networks own the shows. Yeah. It it really matters is what do they think the ratings are going to be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when I was working at, I mean. I was blessed to work with some really wonderful people, but one of the people that I worked with and helped me the most, almost the most of the three or four people, was Grant Tinker. Yeah. And MTM owned a couple shows, mm-hmm. and the networks wanted to recast a couple parts. Uh-huh. Grant wouldn't do it. Fortunately, that's great. They became stars. Did I read he wanted? They wanted to recast, if I'm not mistaken. Ed Asner, yeah. right? And then who else did they? Oh, Rhoda? Valerie. Oh, my goodness. And, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, the, the reason was, in those days, and I guess they still do it, they test them. Yeah. And in the pilot of Mary Tyler Moore, well, everybody knew Mary from uh-huh. the Van Dyke show. And, and, and Ed gets a little drunk and yells at her, uh-huh. and Valerie wants her apartment. So audiences, would, I'm sure they wouldn't have liked anybody. Sure, okay, I guess I can but, see that. But the network didn't own the show. Yeah. And Grant said, absolutely not. And there were other shows 
in those days that networks wanted changes or something. Mm -hmm. And if the executive, and that was another show I did with Grant, that the network wanted to do something different. And he said, no, just don't worry about it. We made the pilot, you don't have to run it. Well, they were going to buy it. Of course, of yeah. course. So that, that, that is really different from today. Yeah. I, it, it, it has more of a, I don't know, it, it, it's odd that it, it seems that films have gone away from, or may, maybe they've come back a little bit, but filmmaking has gone away from the studio system, whereas it seems TV maybe has gone in the reverse. Is that is that accurate? And we're like a, maybe in the when you were originally working in the fifties and sixties and seventies that it was more independent. Well, no, in those days there were only three networks. Sure, I guess that does change things. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I, and I don't remember what the number was, but the network were only allowed to own a certain percentage, really small really? percentage okay. of a very few shows. Mm -hmm. So what would happen is the networks basically were there to entice advertising agencies sure. to buy the shows. When we did uh, Get Smart, when mm -hmm. I produced Get Smart, um, the, uh, I can't remember who the, the sponsor was, but they didn't want to use the, the lead lady because she'd just done a commercial. Really? Yeah, she had done commercials for somebody else. Sure. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and she went and met with them and said, I'm not going to do any more okay. commercials. But th that was really what it was. That's crazy. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I guess it's interesting that it makes more, it makes sense that the, that the production companies would have a little bit more pull, a little bit more sway. Much but more. I, it also takes, but at the same time, that 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 is where. People are treating this like it's a golden age of television. I don't know how now, you feel about it. Yeah, they, they really are because of all the drama. Well, the dramas, you know, there's no question for me, mm -hmm. the dramas are much better. Sure, but the comedies are not. Totally no. different for you. But right? you, there was a, you know what happens too is there was a time when networks would not buy a pilot if it didn't meet a certain standard. Mm -hmm. Uh, and sometimes they were absolutely wrong. Mm -hmm. But I, I, again, I remember when we did Get Smart, um, the network wanted somebody else to play the part that Catherine Damon ended up doing. Mm -hmm. And we didn't want that person, we wanted Catherine Damon. And it came down to the head of the network saying to me, are you, you know, you really want her, so you have. I have to let you have her. But if if it fails, it's on you guys. Yeah, yeah. But it didn't fail. She was wonderful. That's. But see, it was it was always a little bit of a, a problem unless you just took the people they wanted. Yeah. When we did the Mary Tyler Moore show, what happened was a, a different head of the network, the head of the comedy in the networks. Bought the, bought the idea of Mary doing a show based upon she had done a, a, a separate show with Dick mm -hmm. and had gotten very good ratings. Mm -hmm. So, but he did not like the script. He did not like. He wanted to replace the writers. Okay. He, he didn't like anything about it, and it was scheduled. To the best of my memory, it was scheduled like for seven thirty on a Wednesday night, mm. opposite a very successful show, mm -hmm. and just before. The season opened. CBS replaced him and brought in a new head of production. Wow! And they loved the show. Okay. 
And so they moved it, mm -hmm. and they gave it a, a shot. But it still was a worry, so there was always in the back of our minds, and I know exactly what show was <laughs> was supposed to take its place mm -hmm. if it didn't work. Wow. Yeah. Do you, now, we were talking a little bit earlier before we started recording that, and I, and I read this about you as well, is that, you know, you don't look at yourself as a funny person or, you know, a, a comedic mind. No. Um, and that, you know, you're a director first. And that you and we have we've, we've talked about how you say the writing and the casting need to be in place, and that's right. where you pull them. But I do wonder what what you're drawing from to to help to make sure that, that stuff does blend well. Well, what happened? My career. Shall I go back? And yeah, I start? let's do it. I mean, we well, can go I was back to, I was in the army. Yeah, I was. Um, I don't know. I guess I was 22, mm -hmm. and I was assigned to make. Training films. Uh -huh. I didn't know what I was doing. Of course, but, you know, I graduated from UCLA in motion pictures, mm -hmm. and I, I'm about to get out of the army, and I'm. You said in those days you spent two years mm -hmm. in the army and got out, and I decided that I would like to go work for Desi Lou Productions. Yeah, um, they did Lucy and a bunch of other comedies. So I wrote a letter to the production manager, saying. I'm in the army. When I get out, I'd love to come to work for you. And he replied, "Call me when you get out." So I get out. I call him, and we set up an appointment. And I go talk to him, and maybe we talk. My memory is maybe we talked for 15, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And he said, "When can you start?" Oh my God, I can start Monday. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and it turned out, which I didn't know, my father. I died when my father, I was 13 when my father died. Okay. And he had been a film director. He'd done right. Astaire Rogers pictures and mm -hmm. Holiday Inn. Holiday Inn yeah. Yeah, he'd done some really wonderful pictures. Mm -hmm. But I was too young to really know the people. Mm -hmm. Well, it turned out this production manager had been his assistant. So that was <laughs> the reason I got the job. And so I'm now the second assistant director on I Love Lucy. Um, Armis Brooks and I can't remember the third show mm -hmm. but I didn't know what I was doing sure so and doing three doing. shows at the same time yeah <laughs> and I did I think I did like four or five shows on Lucy and then the season ended and I went to work at another studio mm -hmm. and I get a phone call from the, this wonderful man named Jack Allworth who was the first assistant director on Lucy and he'd been promoted to the associate producer and he said would you like to come back work. I said, oh, gosh, I said, okay, well, you're going to be the first assistant director and I'll see you in a week. So I go home and I tell my then wife, I must have, he must have made a mistake because he said I was going to be the first assistant. Well, what had happened is they promoted him to associate producer. Mm -hmm. And I guess because Lucy's first picture was with my father, they made me the first assistant. Wow. Which is a tremendously big job. Of course, yeah. And I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea. <laughs> Still. <laughs> but this wonderful Jack Oliver sort of wet nursed me. And he, even though he wasn't, he was no longer the first, he would sort of teach me what to do. Yeah. So now I'm 24, 25, I don't remember. But I'm the first assistant on I Love Lucy, which is the number one show yeah. in the nation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, How many years into the show's run was this? I'm sorry? How many years into the show's run was it? Well, it was the last year of the half hour. The last year, okay. And then we did three years of our shows. Oh, right. 
which is even worse. Yeah, I can't <laughs> I, didn't know. I mean, there's so much <laughs> an assistant director has to do when you're on location, and these were uh -huh. big shows. Anyhow, somehow I survived, and then Desi, who I really loved, but became the director, mm -hmm. and it was also drinking at that point. Okay. And it was really impossible to get things accomplished sure. when your director is not paying attention to mm -hmm. nothing. And so I, I, I'm walking down the street of the studio and I run into a wonderful producer named Sheldon Leonard who was doing a show oh. called Danny Thomas. Uh -huh. And I said to him, I'm leaving the Lucy show if you ever need a first assistant. And he said, and here's where life is interesting, my, my, my assistant just left to go do a feature, so I do need a first. So I mean, it was just all wonderful. And so I went to work with Sheldon and Danny Thomas, and I was his assistant when we did, we did uh, the Van Dyke show, and we did the Andy Griffith show. And I was very involved in those things. Wow. And one of the things, uh, at some point in the uh, Danny Thomas show, Sheldon sides, he didn't want to direct anymore, he's just going to produce. Uh -huh. And Danny said, well, I'll direct. But what happens is the director does the cameras. Mm -hmm. He stages the scene, he does the cameras. Mm -hmm. So in the morning, when it came time to do the cameras, Danny rehearsed the first scene and he said, I'll, I'll be in my office, call me. <laughs> so I wasn't prepared, no. but I ended up doing cameras. Wow. And and then we did the, a pilot, who I can't remember the name of the pilot. I know the director, wonderful director, but he was a film director. He never done three cameras, mm -hmm. and I did the cameras for him. And a couple of years later, I have no job, and I'm walking down the street, and I see another man who really influenced my life named Leonard Stern. Mm -hmm. And I said, and he had produced the show where I had done the cameras. And I said, I'm available if you need anybody. He said, yeah, it's interesting. We, I just got a script yesterday that probably I'm, I'm going to do, but it isn't definite, but read it and see what you think. So he gave me this script, which was obviously an hour and a half. It was way too long, uh -huh. but it was a wonderful script. So I read it and I come in Monday and say, you know, this is a terrific script, but I think we have to cut this and this and this and this. And he said, good idea, and, and that was Get Smart. <laughs> so he made me the producer on Get Smart. Uh -huh. And so I produced it for a year, mm -hmm. was not happy producing, uh -huh. but I went with Buck Henry to produce a show he wrote, and that only lasted half a season. So now I'm really sort of out of work. Yeah. And um, Leonard Stern calls me up and said, I just sold another pilot called He and She mm -hmm. with Dick Benjamin and Paul Apprentice, and I'd like you to direct it. So that, that was really the start of my career. Yeah. I still, I, and I really knew cameras, but I didn't know how to work with actors. Yeah. And I'd never taken classes or anything. And, and to this day, I'll never forget. We did a scene, and, and Dick Benjamin said to me, well, why am I saying that? Mm -hmm. and, and I said, because if you say this, then Paula can say that, and that's where the joke is. Yeah. He said, no, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in why am I character saying this? Mm -hmm. 
Well, your character's saying it because if you don't say this, then Paul's character can't. He said, no, 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 no. Why is my character saying it? So we spent, you know, five, ten minutes talking and came up with another line that worked for him and the character and still got the joke. Well, I learned a lot from that, that one moment. Yeah. Um, and so that show, I stayed on that show, and that lasted a season. And then I get a call from Grant. They're doing Mary Tyler Moore. Mm-hmm. They wanted John Rich, who had directed uh, Mary, mm-hmm. and done the uh, a couple of years, first year of the Van Dyke show. Okay. Wanted him to direct, but he was doing All in the Family. Okay. So he, he chose All in the Family over the Mary show, which I can't blame him. <laughs> and thank God for me, they had seen he and she, and they had. I had been the assistant on the Van Dyke show, so Mary basically knew me. Yeah. And Grant knew me, but they didn't really know me as a director. Yeah. But basically, because of he and she, they decided to give me a shot at. That's crazy. What for that first directing gig though? I mean, it seems so just. It seems so just sort of you, you kind of just glazed over. It's like oh, I want you to direct this. What made him think well, you you could direct? Well, I had worked with him, and mm-hmm. I had directed a couple of... I had directed a, a um, Danny Thomas show. Without Danny, Danny wasn't in it. I directed a couple shows. Uh-huh. And then the last show we did together, uh, I had directed uh-huh. one or two of those. Actually, Don Nuss was... A, I, I don't mean Don Nuss, I mean uh, Don from uh, Get Smart. Oh, Don Adams. Don Adams. Okay. Right. So... So then, uh, there there may be some obvious questions to ask, but I'll get them out of the way. I mean, right. again, you're only 13 when your father passes away. Right. You probably weren't familiar with his work, right, at all, well, the, uh, little well, bits, or. Well, the only thing I remember mm-hmm. was when we did, when he did, Holiday Inn. Mm-hmm. He invited me to the studio. Mm-hmm. Now I'm a California kid. I've never been in the snow, and it's snowing. And he says, you want to go place and play in the snow? I'm now 10 at that point, mm-hmm. I think. And, of course, I went running over, and it was plastic. But that's what I remember. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I knew what he was. I knew he was a film director, and I'd seen the shows, but I didn't mm-hmm. really appreciate it. Right. But, but what happened is it came time to go to college, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what to do. And UCLA had a film school. So, yeah. So I said, oh, okay, I'll go to film school. That's crazy. Yeah, and that's when what happened. Now the story doesn't happen anymore. But my father had been president of the guild okay. at one point, and I get a phone call when I'm like a junior from somebody who worked at the guild mm-hmm. and had worked there when he was there and had been very fond of him, and said, "As you know, the directors' guild will allow." sons of members in to become assistant directors. Okay. Not daughters, but just sons. Uh-huh. But they're changing it. They're gonna have, the, the new assistant directors are going to have to take tests. Okay. okay. So if you want to get in, if you want to be an assistant director, you better get in. Sure. So now I'm a junior at UCLA. I get in and I get a job as a, an assistant to a second assistant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't do much, but I at sure. least learned a little. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Do, do you know, I mean, sometimes we get a little too inside baseball with comedy and breaking it apart too much. And uh, But um, 
do you know where, where does your sense of humor come from? Where did after that? Where does your ability to be able to break down comedy and find out what's good to you come well, from? Well, I mean, my father certainly had done some Plenty comedies. Of comedy, they, sure, they were musicals, but they sure. were comedy, and and you know, I guess my mother certainly had a really good sense of humor. Mm -hmm. I don't know, I have yeah. no idea. But what I do know is that I only got it because. In those days, you could stay with it, and I figured I'd always be an assistant. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I like doing audience shows. Mm -hmm. uh, I, uh, I like being involved with comedy shows, but I never thought that I was going to be a director. Yeah. But because of people like Sheldon Leonard and Leonard Stern mm -hmm. and Grant Tinker, I was. I, I was lucky enough to do it. So for you, it was—it seemed like exposure was the thing. Yeah, it, just, it was. Just, I, I got enough of this. No, this will work. I know it'll work because I've seen it fail. I've seen what fails. I've seen what works. You either understand what works in comedy or you don't. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there are a lot of directors who are not comedy directors who've done comedy, but sure. that's not necessarily their main interest. But that was what ended, that's what really worked for me, mm -hmm. was making audiences laugh. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you, see, and that's, that's the other thing, too, is, it, is there, there are people, and this is where egos come into play of both writers and actors, and again, I'm not judging the people you've worked with, but I'm saying they're very much, they very much want to eat that up, and they want to think they're responsible for it. It's my words that made them laugh. It was my acting that made them laugh. As a director, you do you have to just tear your ego off for a bit, don't you? I mean, well, it's very interesting because there is such a difference between audience shows. In those days, there we were doing audience shows. They mm -hmm. don't do as many today. But there's such a difference between audience shows and one camera. Mm -hmm. One camera as a director, maybe if you're lucky, mm -hmm. there'll, there'll be a reading of the script. Right. And the writers will do some rewriting. Mm -hmm. But basically, you're shooting what you're given. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can add a little something, or, uh, or a scene doesn't work, you may call the writers up and say, this scene isn't working at all, what if we tried? And they'll say, no, or, you know. Yeah. But on an audience show, you, you get the script, you read it, the, and you discuss it, then the writers, if it's a scene or two don't work, mm -hmm. they'll go rewrite those scenes and you'll work with the actors on other scenes. And you basically have three whole days of rehearsal. Yeah. Uh, and then you do one day for cameras and then you shoot the show. But what I found was two things. Number one, if you get a good script but don't cast it right, it's not going to work. Mm. If you get a wonderful cast and the script isn't really good, it usually doesn't work. It'll get by, but mm -hmm, it won't be mm -hmm. a good show. So what you have to do as a director is sort of get in the middle, because sometimes certain actors, it wasn't this way, it was certainly with Mary, but it was certainly that way with certain actors who would not want to confront the writers. Okay. And they'd say, I don't really, to me, when we were rehearsing, well, I don't understand what this line means. Mm -hmm. And you'd say what well, you're interpreting, well, I don't like this line. So, but then the writers would come down, and I would always say, I'm having a little trouble with this line. I never say the actor is. Okay, yeah. And sometimes 
they would say to the actor, do you have trouble with this? And the actor would say, oh, yeah, a little bit, but don't worry about it. Of course, of course. Or, yeah, I'm having a little trouble. But it was never the actor versus the writers. It was always me in between. Yeah. And um, certain shows, it was very difficult. Certain shows, it was not difficult. Right. But that was one of the things that I felt was really important on an audience show is that you keep the writers and the actors healthy and happy with each other. Yeah, of course. One camera sometimes, you know, an actor would say, I'm not going to say this line. Yeah. And so you'd either come up with another line or you'd call the writers. Right. And then the writers sometimes would say, you tell that actor, blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. you, didn't, you, you didn't want that to happen with audience shows. Sure. This might be a little bit of industry talk. It is right. going to be industry talk. But um, what what's the reason for either sticking around or someone wanting you to stick around when you... I mean, because you shot... like You shot pilots of a lot of shows that mm-hmm. I really love. Right. And you've worked on a lot of shows that I really love. Um, and Mary Tyler Moore is, you know, it has to be in my top ten favorite shows of all time. Um, but what... It, what happens where you shoot the pilot for Bob Newhart and you don't shoot the Well, I was doing it? the Mary Tyler Moore show. You're just going to, so you're yeah, just going to I mean, that. that okay. was, that, I was there for the eight years yeah. that the show was done. Yeah. And what would happen is MTM would come up with a pilot mm-hmm. and ask me when we, you know, usually the pilots would happen when you finish the season mm-hmm. and they'd be looking for shows for the next season. So you'd make the pilot like in March and April. February and March, depending on when you finish mm-hmm. Mary. The, the, the biggest problem I ever had, and it was a real problem, was when Mary Tallimore finally finished, mm-hmm. there was a pilot for somebody who I love dearly to this day, mm-hmm. Betty White. Uh-huh. And the writers were two of the producers of Mary Tallimore show. Okay. Ed Weinberger and Stan Daniels, who I had great respect for. But they hadn't done a script. They were still working, finishing up Mary, and they hadn't gotten a script. At the same time, I get a script from a show called Soap mm-hmm. that I read. Now, I had worked with Susan Harris and Paul Witt and Tony Thomas. I'd done a pilot for them. So I knew I really liked them, and I knew what I th- how good a writer I thought Susan was. Mm-hmm. And I read the script for Soap, and I thought, this can be one of the most embarrassing shows ever done. Uh-huh. It's not cast right. Uh-huh. Or really interesting. Yeah. It's cast right. But I had to make this decision. So it comes down to I had to tell Betty that I'm not going to do her show. Mm-hmm. And that was hard. I bet. That was very hard. And I was gambling because, I mean, I'm coming off the Mary Tonomar show and I'm going on to a show that's so opposite. Mm-hmm. It's just has such an opposite type of show, mm-hmm. but one that I really felt if we cast it right, it was going to be good. Yeah, and I I think we did cast it right, and I think it was good. I only stayed I stayed with it for two and a half seasons, uh-huh. and then it I think it did four. Four, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But uh, it was probably as one of the most fun shows I've ever worked on. I can't imagine. And that was shot on tape too, right? If yeah, I that was correctly. tape actually. And most that, of the stuff you did was film. That, all the stuff. Everything. Well, okay. I mean, I do tape sure. shows, but yeah. what happened was, and it was very interesting, I went out and hired a 
film cameraman mm -hmm. who had never done tape. Uh -huh. And most people thought that Soap was a film show. Yeah, I had no idea until I read that the yeah. other day. I mean, yeah. that's something actually that's forward-thinking enough that that's the only reason digital's ever caught on is when they finally brought in real cinematographers yeah, to make right. digital stuff look amazing. I, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not being critical, but Norman shows were all done light for TV, mm -hmm. a lot of lighting and not a lot of moments of darkness and right. things like that. But soap was a film as far as I was concerned. Right. Although we did it, and I also was the first person that I know of who used four cameras. Fresh. So if I'd used four cameras on Mary on occasion when we had mm -hmm. a lot of extras or a lot of, I couldn't cover a scene completely. Mm -hmm. But soap was the first time that shows to use four cameras. I, this just occurred to me, and this is probably a second unit thing, but the opening of the Mary Tyler Moore show, did you shoot? No, no. no. Was, was that? No. No, those were done in Minneapolis. Yeah, but so it was all second right. unit stuff? Then? I saw, I can't think of a wonderful, wonderful cameraman director who shot, who shot the opening. It's just one of the more memorable openings. Yeah. So I just they thought it would check. It's so good. And, uh, and then they went back. Mm -hmm. About four or five years later, mm -hmm. to reshoot the, the the unit that was supposedly Mary's unit, and mm -hmm. people wouldn't let him. Really? Oh no! Oh wow! God, because people were stopping, oh. ringing the doorbell and saying, "Is Rhoda here? Oh, Is no. Mary?" <laughs> yeah. Oh boy! Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, but that speaks to the power of it. I mean. Yeah. I, oh yeah! It became oh. that house. You know, there was just a house that. They borrowed became really well known. Yeah. Did you? So did you have? I'm curious then about this for for Mary Tyler Moore. Uh, did her show? Did you have any interest in the show? And when I say politically, I think you know what I mean. Just that it was a lot about feminism, and that it was that of interest to you. Or was it more just funny? It was, but you wanted. It never started out to be that. Okay. We never, including the writers, mm -hmm. never thought of those terms. Yeah. And I'll tell you who probably had the most to do with it was Valerie Harper. Really? Yeah. I mean, Mary, God love her, mm -hmm. uh, was very happily married, didn't think in those terms. Sure, sure. Uh, Valerie was happily married too, but she thought more uh, as a woman. And I remember her saying we sh to Mary, you shouldn't say that line. Don't say that line. Wow. <laughs> and gradually, we all sort of realized once the show was on, too, this mm -hmm. this was having an effect on an audience. Yeah, the network did not want Mary to uh, have an affair because mm -hmm. she had she'd been in the the original sh script. Uh -huh. uh, she has. She, I, I can't. I can't remember, but it was a it was a big deal, and she breaks up with the guy she had spent three years with, yeah. and helped him through college. Right. But I can't rem I just remember that was a really big problem that the network had. Was there originally some sort of yeah. infidelity was written into it? Is yeah. that what you're saying? Oh, okay. But instead, it was just he was kind of a load, and she well, had to he get was, rid of him. Yeah. 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 But okay. she was ready to marry him, but not really. <coughs> right. But right. but um, no, it was during the times where women were, as I said, I was asked, you know, I was offered the, the ability to join the Directors Guild and women couldn't get in. Right, right. But yeah, it was the beginning, I think, in many ways of, of women's lib. Mm -hmm. 
not that we did it. Sure, but no, it was but happening. it was definitely and, there. Yeah, and 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 uh, we had wonderful writers, and Jim and Alan eventually, and I don't remember when, but very early on started hiring women writers. Mm -hmm. And I think it was one of the first shows where a lot of women were working on the scripts. Yeah. So that it was it was from from the get go. Oh yeah, but I, it didn't that start that. Way. Sure, it didn't start that way. But uh, probably I think you know the shows usually in those days were picked up for like twelve shows. Okay. And then it either gets picked up or dropped. Mm -hmm. So I think probably after the twelfth show, that's when they start bringing in female writers. Yeah. Do you, you know, I was thinking about this today, uh, there is a show, and it might not be up your alley, but there's a show on IFC called Comedy Bang Bang. It's very strange. Okay, it's out of its mind weird, and it, it takes a certain mindset to appreciate it. Yep. I love it, but they, I just found out that they're shooting for this year, I'm, I don't know when the last time I heard this was, 40 episodes wow. of, of a weekly show. In one year? In one year. Oh. And I can't think of the last time I've heard of a show doing more than 25. Oh. And that kind of blew my mind, except yeah. for like Phil Silvers, which is one of my other top oh, 10. Oh, yeah. God, they did I like 50 that. or 60 episodes. Or not 50 or 60, but about 50. So it's hard for me today. Mm -hmm. Number one, I find, this is me, mm -hmm. I find the shows are aimed basically at young audiences, mm -hmm. which, which we didn't do. We didn't aim the shows at young audiences. We always felt we're, we're shooting for adults, and if mm -hmm. the kids don't get a joke, they don't get it. Right, right. But we're not, you know, we're not lowering our levels. And I find most of the shows on the networks today are aimed, I don't mean young kids, mm -hmm. but I mean certainly in their early 30s mm -hmm. and 20s. Mm -hmm. Uh, very sexual, which sure. is fine, but I, it's not what I always find terribly funny. Of course. And, and uh, but Gallivant is the one show that my wife and I started watching, and it's, it's not like any show I ever did. <laughs> right, it's, right. It's silly, it's, the music is wonderful, but what gets me is the cast and the writing. Yeah. I just love the man who plays the king. Yes. I just think he's Tim Amundsen is Amundsen. great. Yes. He's really brilliant. He really is. And the, they, they sing and dance. And that, so anyhow, that's the one comedy that, that I watched today. Yeah, I, and we just, uh, my wife and I just started watching it last week. And we, oh, need to, well, we need to start watching more. I mean, it's, it's too bad it's limited. Yes, please You've do. You've got to go back to the beginning. Yeah, we did. We did. We started okay. watching it from the beginning, luckily, because I don't have regular cable anymore. I'm, you know, it's all, if it's, it's all online, so. Right. But yeah, so good. Go back to the very beginning. Because we, we also discovered two years ago, uh, Parenthood. Oh, yeah. for some reason, we never watched. Mm -hmm. And somebody said to us, well, you, you really should watch Parenthood. So we got it online. And now we're in the middle of the second season. Mm -hmm. And just love it. Yeah. Just think it's so well written. Do you enjoy so just the ability to binge watch as people like to say do you like to just watch episode after episode or is no it, no you just no. like take your time with it we'll watch maybe two episodes maybe two okay yeah yeah but then you know there's enough dramatic shows mm -hmm. and, you know we always watch john stewart so there, there's always something we don't live to watch television sure sure but uh but i that's another thing when i was working there wasn't that. You watched mm -hmm. the show. If you didn't see it on, you probably weren't going to see it for another six, seven weeks, eight right. weeks. Right. So people, and people would watch 
one, you know, they'd all the family get together and watch a show. Yeah. Which made life really different. Right. You know, I, it actually occurs to me too, though, I guess most of the shows you've worked on, you're lucky in a way that they were all the shows that ended up being preserved and we didn't lose like the kinescopes of I Love Lucy or any of that right. kind of stuff dropped out of because well, it was they all that original film. Yeah. They were all film except for soap. Mm -hmm. I mean the, that I basically did. Mm -hmm. I did some other tape shows. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess uh, I'm trying to think about uh, Gola Girls. Was that tape? Good question. No, I think that was filmed. That was filmed too? Yeah. Okay. Again, one of my favorite shows. Yeah. Um, and then, so, if you don't mind, do you mind me skipping back to pretty far? Okay. Well, Ask me one question, though, uh -huh. while I think of it. Uh -huh. What happened was when soap finished, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky enough, my, my agent said, do you want to do films? I said, well, the writing has to be pretty good. Mm -hmm. And so I get a phone call. Well, would you be interested in doing a Neil Simon script with Goldie Hawn and Chevy Chase? And I said, oh, yeah, I'd be interested. <laughs> yeah. So I was very fortunate. But it was interesting because I read the script, and I had just finished doing Soap. And now this is Neil Simon, and it's a wonderful script. Mm -hmm. But I remember thinking, yeah, he writes as good as Susan. I, I'm serious. Mm -hmm. And I had a wonderful time working with Goldie and Chevy. And Neil, who I just adore, became, we became really good friends for a while. But what happened is I sat around a lot. Okay. Yeah. When you're doing a film in yeah. those days, the, the cameraman would pull all the lights down and even if you got a master shot and you go for an over shoulder, all the lights would come down and you start relighting. Yeah. So I found myself spending an awful lot of time during the day not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had one other script after right afterwards I got that I liked. And it was about a young guy and his father who and I, I can't remember the whole concept but but they have a, a vineyard up in northern California and there's a they they raise grapes that makes uh, certain wines mm -hmm. and there's a big show in New York and the kid young man goes back and it gets very involved. And I wanted John Ritter. Okay. And I love John Ritter. Mm -hmm. I, one of the things, I did his first, we did a pilot with him, and he was in every show I ever did. So, practically. But anyhow, none of the networks, none of the studios wanted John Ritter. Okay. And eventually, um, they decided that they were going to do, oh, God, the actor from uh, Saturday Night Live, the original the comedian who died. Uh, John Belushi? John Belushi. Mm -hmm. And Belushi couldn't make up his mind. He eventually decided, okay, I'll do this film, mm -hmm. but I want to have the ability to rewrite it oh, to work. Okay. It didn't work for him, obviously. Uh, right, right, right. So when that happened, he went away to write, and I sort of wasn't happy with what I was hearing back. and So I said to my agent, I'm not, I'm not going to do this shit. And they said, well, at least wait till he turns the script in. Okay. So then I wasted another four or five months of my life. Ugh. And the script was no good. And unfortunately, he, he died of an overdose. Right. But it had really been, I'd say, two years of 
not doing a lot. Yeah. So I get a phone call from Whit Thomas. We're doing a pilot. Which, you know, would you do it? And I said yes. <laughs> so I went back happily to television. Yeah. It's it's tough being picky, but I mean, you you seemed like you have made a lot of tough decisions. <laughs> well, they weren't tough. I no. mean, my life. I mean, seems like old times was a successful film. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could have stayed in film if I wanted. Sure, to, sure. But I found that I, I like working all the time. Yeah, and I found sense. that working with actors that are going out in front of an audience is is, is more to my satisfaction. And saying to an actor, "Yeah, that's really funny. Let's move on." Yeah, the immediacy of the response, and yeah. not just I loved, that. A, I loved, a lot of people love see, seeing how things are going to work in front of us. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just blinding no, myself. Do you want to move? <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I can, you know, good idea. Let move me do that. No, I've worked with some wonderful comedians, but that most of them are no longer doing comedy. Sure. Sure. I mean, mm-hmm. the, uh, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit then. So you didn't really listen to much comedy then at all as a kid. I mean, when so when you're a kid, well, what uh, would you have been exposed to? Jack Benny, Jack Ra- Benny. the radio. Okay, yeah, the sure. Radio, sure. Jack Benny and Fred Allen, mm-hmm. that type of show. Mm-hmm. And then they had fifteen minute of. Uh, Spy adventure type shit sure. like they still have. Yeah, yeah. But it was all radio. Mm-hmm. Did you ever? I mean, uh, yeah. So I guess you. Yeah, I mean, at this point, by by the time comedy records became the industry they are because of Bob Newhart, because of the button down line, you were already working in TV and probably weren't picking up new comedy influences necessarily. No, I, I. You know, I would ask to be asked to look at certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Having worked with Newhart, I did the pilot mm-hmm. and a couple of others. I just found he was so interesting because rehearsals, he just would sort of mumble his way through. <laughs> and uh, I remember he, in the pilot, he has a phone call, and that's what Bob Newhart was famous for, mm-hmm. his phone calls. And one of the writers, we did a, an audience show about three nights before the real show just see what was working on uh-huh. and one of the writers said to me talk to him because he's not doing the phone call well i said it's not bob newhart i know but he it's not the way we wrote it so uh-huh. i went to him, i said bob one of the writers he really isn't happy with the phone call he said oh or is this the show tonight that we did i said no we're going to do that friday he said well let's wait till friday <laughs> i had a feeling yeah that's that's so good <laughs> and of course suzanne plachette was so wonderful to work with. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, was there ever any pressure to work on those shows that you're setting you you're setting a template for the show? Did, or no? You don't think of those terms. I mean, yeah. Bob Newhart. Who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to work with Bob Newhart? Of course, of course. And I didn't. You know, I didn't set anything. I just was lucky enough to be there. And you know, I guess. Because of my experience with audience shows, I didn't worry a lot about him. I knew mm-hmm. he was funny, and I knew when the audience was there, he'd do it. Mm-hmm. When we did Mary Tyler Moore show, we we filmed three nights before 
uh, again before we shot the show, and it was a disaster. Mm -hmm. The sound didn't work. It was really hot. Mm -hmm. The air conditioning wasn't right, and it was just awful. Yeah, no laughs, nothing, nothing worked. And I remember, I remember to this day, sitting in Jim and Alan's office with Grant was there and me and the script supervisor, and we're all saying. It's, what do we do? And none of us could think of any writing that would change. Mm -hmm. we, we all liked the show. We all, all felt there were just problems. And th there was some acting that had to change. Mm -hmm. But we still had, I still had a whole day and then the cameras and then we shoot. And of course, by the time we filmed it, exact same show. Mm -hmm. I don't think we rewrote anything. Maybe one line. Wow. Um, it worked. Yeah. But... It was scary. And from what I understand, you like to shoot two shows a day, right? Yeah. See, but, that's not usual, is it, at all? It was at the time. It was? Okay. Well, not, okay. it, wasn't, it wasn't usual on film shows because okay. it was too expensive. Okay. But it was usual on tape shows mm -hmm. because you, you reuse the tape. Sure. But what I liked about it is, number one, you certainly found out certain things that the actors did right mm -hmm. and certain things they didn't do right and certain things maybe could be rewritten mm -hmm. it's a much it was a much younger audience but you'd still use things from that show when we would do when i was doing the cosby show a lot of scenes sometimes we would use moments from the afternoon mm -hmm. and intercut them with the evening show okay yeah, let's let's talk about the Cosby Show because uh, oh, actually, you know what? Let's skip back one because okay. I love that show too. But I did want to talk about since I uh, you did direct not just the pilot and a bunch of Mary Tyler Moore, but also the series finale, right? Oh, Mary? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did yeah. three quarters. Probably, I, I, I'm sure it's on top five lists of greatest final episodes of all time. It's my favorite. Um. I must say the writers did a brilliant job. Oh, they did. What happened, interestingly enough, we, I'd say in the middle of the season, mm -hmm. we were not getting along, mm -hmm. none of us. The cast wasn't, <laughs> and I wasn't getting along with the writers. And, and, and we finally had a meeting, mm -hmm. and, and it was Ted Knight, interestingly enough, who said, you're all just nervous because the show's ending. And we thought about it and said, you know, you're right. <laughs> So we come to the last show, and we don't get the last scene. They don't write it. Mm. And we don't get the last scene. And finally, the, the, the final day of rehearsal, we get the last scene. But it doesn't quite work. Mm. It's, number one is I remember Betty wasn't in the scene, and I'm not sure whether Georgia Engel was in the scene. But it just didn't all work. Yeah. It wasn't there. So we rehearsed, and we brought them down, the writers down, and we showed them the scene. And I remember talking to Jim and Alan, saying, I think we got to have the whole cast in, and maybe we can try this or that. Yeah. And so the next day, which the cameras are there, and I'm doing blocking on early part of the show, and we get the last scene. So I send, I, I give the cameras a 20 minute break, mm -hmm. and we start rehearsing the scene. And of course, it's wonderful. 
and Ed Asner does his line, um, I love all you people, whatever that mm -hmm. line is. Uh, I can't remember the line. And um, we all just look around and the tears are coming down everybody's eyes. Mm -hmm. And I said to Ed, don't, don't do the line again, just say it, but don't. Don't have any emotion. Mm -hmm. And I said to Mary, the one bit of directing, I said, try not to cry mm -hmm. until as long as you can hold the tears back. Mm -hmm. And then, so we show it to the writers. And, and I said, Ed's not going to do his line and Mary's not going to cry. And then we did the scene in front of an audience. And of course, it was really wonderful. Mm -hmm. And at the very end, Mary walks out the door of the audience and turns the lights off. Mm -hmm. But what happened is the, the, the man who was on the lights was so involved in the scene, he forgot to turn them off. <laughs> like, goodness. But, but I fortunately had done enough shows to know I didn't have to do the whole scene again. I just, I just did the exit again. Right. Yeah. Wow. And it was a killer for us. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and then we saw the show. We all got together to watch it. Mm -hmm. But by that time, I think, you know, it had been f five, six weeks. Mm -hmm. So the emotion wasn't completely there, but right. it was tough. Gosh, because the, the family environment, I mean, like, yeah. uh, not wanting to write that, that last scene is like yeah. not wanting to bury the body. No, they, completely. They, well, and what they did is, Jim and Alan, we had two other writers who, who would always be there, who would come for the, uh, the run-throughs to see it. And um, they, were, they worked on it and a couple of other writers. So it was a, I wasn't there obviously, but mm. it was sort of a group scene, that last scene. That's amazing. Yeah, um, it was very emotional, obviously. Of course, of course. Uh, so then let's let's skip forward to what you what we were talking okay. about a second ago. Then so let's talk about the Cosby Show a little bit. So, so what happened there was uh, Marcy Carcy had been the uh, in charge of comedy at ABC when we did Soap, mm -hmm. and we just had such great respect for each other. I mean, I, she was the first network person who didn't try to tell us what lines and how to make scenes work. She just asked questions. Are you getting what you really want here, whatever? And I just really love working with her and I think she appreciated me. So I get a phone call from her saying, we're, we're gonna do uh, the Cosby show. They picked the Cosby show up, mm -hmm. but they now decided they wanna just do a, a couple of scenes, like 10 minutes, to show the networks around the country what the show might look like. Okay. I said, well, so do we have a script? And they said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, look, I can't, I can't do it without a script. I gotta say, well, you can do it because it's not going on the air and we really want blah, blah, blah. So I say, okay. And I come to work the next day because I think Soap had just finished or I had just finished the pilot. Oh yeah, I just done WKRP. Oh, shoot! I think. Uh huh. And um, so I don't remember. Anyhow, so w the the writers they wanted Bill didn't get along with. Mm -hmm. Bill wanted to do. He wanted to be a limousine driver in New York, married to an Hispanic woman who could speak Spanish. Okay. And they had met with Bill, and they wanted to do 
his life from his records. Mm -hmm. And I think it, they talked him into it. Mm -hmm. But we didn't have a script, we didn't have a script, and we're getting nearer and nearer. So I had suggested Ed Weinberger, who I had worked with on the Mary Todd Moore show, but I also worked with him on the, the Cosby, Bill Cosby had an earlier show. Oh, right, yeah. And Ed really had done most of that. So, so they brought Ed in to write a, a, basically just a 15-minute couple of scenes based on Bill's records. Mm -hmm. So we have to cast, and we don't have a script. So Tom Warner and I go back to New York, and we start looking for actors. And they're looking for actors in L.A. And we're reading from Madeline Kahn, which mm -hmm. was a show Tom and Marcy did. Mm -hmm. And the kids are reading from some kid show. Not, nothing from the Cosby show. Yeah. And um, Bill really doesn't want to have a young kid because he knows, you know, they can be trouble. But it was written to, to, there's a young boy. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Keisha comes in and she's... I think she was four. Oh my goodness. But I just thought this kid is sensational. Yeah. That's why she was called Rudy, because it was written for a boy. Mm-hmm. And Felicia, who was was doing a Broadway show, um, Golden, not Golden Girls, it was, I'm sorry, <laughs> she was doing a Broadway show based upon singers, female singers. Okay. Um, and so we, we talked, and she said, I have to go because I have to do the show. It was the afternoon, but I'll be back around 5. And I, I was sure she was going to be wonderful. She hadn't read the script. But was, I was afraid if she was, and I asked her if she could do some Spanish, she'd say, no, I don't speak Spanish. Uh -huh. She gave a great reading, and I asked her very hesitantly, can you speak Spanish? And she ripped off some long sentences. And said, you know, I was raised in Houston, so I know how to speak. Oh, there we go. Okay. But she had heard, I, I heard later from her that she had learned that the character is supposed to speak Spanish, so she had done so. Uh. <laughs> so they came out here, and we put the show together, and, and uh, we filmed 15, 20 minutes mm -hmm. with the same cast that ended up doing it. Really? Yeah. The show gets picked up, and Bill decides he wants to do New York, and I turned it down because I don't want to move to New York. But my wife, who was an ex-New Yorker, said, "You know, we can if we're in New York, you can we can go visit New England, we can go to the Caribbean, and that got me Caribbean. We can go to the Caribbean. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I only had to do twelve weeks. There you go. So this was all I was planning to do. Was yeah. The first twelve, but of course. It was very, very difficult at, when we first began for mm -hmm. several reasons. Number one, the studio we went to was an old studio and nothing worked. Mm. Cameras were breaking down all the time. No. And Grant Tinker, who just is the best at the time, was head of NBC Comedy. Oh, right, right. But we were using NBC cameras mm -hmm. that were breaking down. And I called him up and I said, we can't use these cameras. He said, You've got to use them. <laughs> I said, no, the show keeps being stopped in the middle. So fortunately, it took a lot of courage, but he allowed us to use the Kigamis. And that was a problem. Plus, we had a writer who just, Ed Weinberger didn't want to do the show. 
So we had a writer who did the first six shows and was supposed to keep going, but he quit. Mm -hmm. And then they kept bringing in other writers where you can't just all of a sudden do the show. But we were fortunate enough to have one young writer, uh, John Marcus, who was, who was working on the show, and he saved us. Mm -hmm. He had a he had written a script just before the other producer had quit, and we had at least a week of a wonderful script. And then John, the next season, became the producer. Oh wow! So he, John Marcus, saved us. But um, you know, it got it was a lot of fun. So you fun. you had to but I was for three not, years. I was not doing directing as much as I was doing editing. Okay. Because Bill didn't really believe in rehearsing scenes, mm -hmm. and he changed a lot of lines, so I had to find ways to make the show work. Okay. Kind of film it and put it together. Yeah. So that's basically what I did. See, that's, a, that, that's the interesting other thing if, if you're dealing with somebody who's a comedian. I think that might be a common comedian thing, because yeah. they like to riff. They like to just they be do. there off the top of their head. So. Right. And, and Bill, too, is very inventive. Uh, but so when we, we when we did rehearse, the most he do is rehearse a scene mm -hmm. once, maybe twice. Yeah. So it was tough on the kids. It was tough. Right. But, uh, yeah. There was a spontaneity to it, and he came alive when there was an audience there. Like oh, sure. You sure. know, he'd try. It wasn't that he was not trying. For, for but sure. There was such a difference between performance for an audience. That's that's why I always love doing audience shows. That's interesting. Yeah. And and. If it weren't for Felicia, I don't know how to put the shows together because really? I kept cutting away to her. Uh huh. Because she's yeah. about Broadway. And the I kids, mean, that's the thing. oh no, but she's so. And then the kids were terrific, but you know, Keisha was five maybe and would fall asleep in the middle of a show. Oh, no, that's adorable. <laughs> yeah, but it was uh, it was a great experience, and um, then I I think I did it for. About three years, and uh -huh. then came back here. And then came back. And Grant Tinker started his own company and asked me to partner in it. So, wow. But I said I'll only do it if I can go back and do Cosmos. Right. So I'd go back once a month and do two shows. Wow. Yeah, I couldn't leave that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Do you, um, did you ever have? I, I'm curious because there never seemed to be an issue with that show, and I rarely like to talk about because I don't really care about race as far as it's presented on TV as long as people are treated as equals. But was there ever any kind of I don't know any weird pressure from the network regarding no, how the show's no. put together? No. The, the the biggest problem was Bill saying we we need an Indian in this show. We have a you use the Japanese. Bill always wanted. All different people. To push it. Okay, okay, yeah. interesting. We never discussed race. Mm -hmm. uh, one time I said, you know, Bill, I think we really have to get serious about drugs. Mm -hmm. uh, and he didn't want to do it, but we did a show where, where somehow Malcolm comes home and they find a, a, a cigarette or pot, I think. Oh, okay, yeah. But it isn't his. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a friend's. Right. But we never really got serious about any major problem. Yeah. That, but that was Bill. Bill wanted to keep an entertaining of show. Of course, of course. We, we didn't, you know, that was... 
How about the the series finale of that? Did you do the series finale of Cosby yeah. or no? Okay, yeah. because I, I remember distinctly that was one of the yeah. first times when I was aware yeah. as a kid of reading something where I remember reading that Bill said, "We don't want to end this on some weird note. No. We want it to just be another episode." It, well, he he sort came of. up with the idea of dancing off the <laughs> right studio, <laughs> which would I guess. But be the, the hard one thing, thing see now, it was interesting because Bill never really dealt with emotion, mm-hmm. and the the last scene. Is what actually happened with his son. Uh, this was before his son was killed. Sure. Uh, that he and and what a great kid mm-hmm. Bill's son was. Bill and his wife's kid was just a great, great kid. Anyhow, he is uh, autistic. No, uh, can't has trouble reading. Oh, oh, dyslexic. Dyslexic, mm-hmm. thanks. and. Um, it, 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 Bill didn't know it, uh-huh. and I remember Bill on the phone with him saying, "What do you mean you failed? You worked. You really knew it last night." It came yeah. Out. And then when he got into college, they found out he's dyslexic, and so the character, his son, becomes dyslexic. And when he graduates school, which is the last show, mm-hmm. he and Bill have this wonderful dialogue about how difficult it was and how proud Bill is. And Bill said, now let, let Felicia do that. So he, he never really dealt with serious problems. Felicia would do the dialogue. That's so interesting. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was a, not a terribly emotional show. Sure, sure. I, but I, I will say, like, from, from an audience perspective, the emotion you felt was like, oh, this is nice and warm and wonderful yeah. all the time, well, and nobody, that was where it was. You nobody, know, they, the lead characters dance off the set out the door. <laughs> I mean, what a wonderful, different idea! It's so good. But that, you know, that's Bill. Yeah. That Bill. Well, it, I, it, it's it's if nothing else, it's it's wonderful to I I, I think it's wonderful that you've been part of all these episodes, or all these different shows that are these different moments of joy. It's just such a strong, I don't like to use the word legacy, oh, but it's, you. it's a, you know, it's a, a strong body of work. Well, it, you know, in it's way. interesting too, because when I look back, I, I did a movie for television with Jack Lemmon when he was older, that I'll never forget working yeah. with him. This oh. this man was so wonderful. Yeah. And he, he would come in every day completely prepared, uh-huh. and we'd rehearse a scene, and I would say, Jack, instead of doing it this way, what if you did it that way? say, no problem, and switch. I mean, it was <laughs> just so wonderful. Uh-huh. And I was, did the first movie with Roz Russell. She'd, she'd never done a movie, never done television wow. before. And it was, a, you know, you're doing a television show, you don't have a lot of time. And the first day, we shoot a scene, and we do it twice, two takes, and I said, okay, we're moving on. And she said, no, 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 we're not moving on. we got to keep doing this. And Bob, I said, okay, I'll do one more. Mm-hmm. And okay, and, but Roz, we got to move on. Okay, and by the end of it, she just loved doing one or two takes, not doing I bet. 10 or 12. I yeah. bet. I mean, I worked with some really wonderful, wonderful people. Yeah. Just... Well, it's nice too, and that's the other thing too. Is, is a good way to leave this is if if you're if you're going to be fortunate enough to have the kind of opportunities you've had to work on the things that you've ha- you had the opportunity to work on those things. Uh, it's it's always good to appreciate the people who are oh, there helping you and you. who are there, 
you know, doing, you know, their part of the work, and it's nice to be kind of the glue to bring it together. Well, you know, it was a different era. Sure. And, um, you know, as I say, there were only three networks, and, and I was pretty much asked to do pilots for all of them. But, you know, I had great experiences. I, I love working with Valerie. I did a show with her. didn't make it, mm -hmm. but... It was so much fun working with her, and, and uh, I don't know. I, it was it was a terrific time, and I sort of quit when I couldn't find scripts I wanted to do anymore. Yeah, well, that's uh, it's, you, you can't really ask for anything more than that. I no, don't think. No, <laughs> you know, that's, that's amazing. Very lucky. Oh, that's so. Good. Today, you know, it's interesting because I look at television today, and I have no idea what I'd be doing. I, right. Uh, number one, now they're starting to do a few more audience shows. Mm -hmm. but most of them are one-camera shows. For I, sure, I don't find them funny. Right, right. Huh. This is uh, this has been so much fun. I I really appreciate you sitting down and talking. Well, my about pleasure. This. this is this has been great. Everybody, thank you. thank you for listening, Jay Sandrich. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Jason. And everybody, as always, have a good thing. Yeah. <laughs>